Welcome to episode 12 of the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast, all things magical and Disneyland Paris. I'm Andrew Williamson and I am joined by Simon West. Hello. Each Magical Disneyland Paris podcast will have a different focus, be it an attraction, restaurant or special element of the Disneyland Paris world. This episode we are discussing round two of the Disneyland Paris attraction polls that we've been running on Twitter. It's been, I think round two started 88 days ago, so it's not been too long. Well, I mean, it's not been too long, but I I can't remember most of these, and I've been looking back through the results thinking, ooh, interesting. A few of them I agree with. In fact, most of them I think I agree with, but there's a few of them that I think are a bit of a shame, and there's, oh, we're starting to lose some big attractions now. I still don't think we've got a clear winner coming out yet, so it'll be fun to see where this goes. See, I think originally in our round one podcast episode, it was... To me, I think if, uh, if, we're, if we're classing Disney Dreams as an attraction or if we're classing Sleeping Beauty's Castle as an attraction, I think they're going to be standing out, especially when you look at some of the results they've been pulling over the last couple of rounds. But then again, you think of the classics such as Phantom Manor and Pirates of the Caribbean and the Big Funda Mountain and It's a Small World and Tower of Terror. They're all still in there. And they really, it could be any of those, couldn't it? I mean, I have to say, I am still mourning the loss of Space Mountain Mission 2 and Star Tours from Round 1, but... Nonetheless, I mean, I suppose Star Tours has actually gone in reality now, so... That's the thing, yeah, it's done us a favour. The the voting has done us a favour. We don't have to talk about Star Tours, as it is no longer here anymore. Um, Hopefully, when we do this again for a second version, uh, maybe probably in two years' time, by the time we get around to doing it, we can see if uh, The Adventure Begins is going to be the winner in our next version of the poll. Ooh... So um, what we should do is we'll go through, if you visit our website, magicaldlp.co.uk forward slash attraction poll, um, you will see kind of a, a lineup of what the rounds were and what the matchups were. Uh, we're going to start off with Mad Hatter's Teacups versus the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. What would you vote for, Simon? Or what? Obviously you can't remember what you voted for, but if you were to vote now, which one would you vote for and why? Well, Andrew, I, I think I can remember what I voted for. I hope so. Tower of Terror, of course. Obviously. Mainly because I can't fit in the Mad Hatter's teacups. They're so small. I mean, maybe if it was just me in them, fine. But <laughs> usually I'm with other people. <laughs> and I'm six foot, I don't fit. Yeah, if you're on your own, spreading your legs and put your arms out, you may just be able to squeeze in. Mm-hmm. Now, can it- you fit through the doors or do you need to climb over the side? Oh, I can't remember that. They are tiny doors, though, aren't they? They're yeah. really small. Really narrow gap. Yeah. <laughs> sort of do a backflip to get out. It's fine. Like Orbitron, I can't fit an Orbitron properly either. It's a That's lovely true. ride, but it's too yeah, small. Yeah, I remember me and my son Noah were in Orbitron. Um, well, he was in it, and I was kind of wedged <laughs> onto the side. <laughs> Just <laughs> trying to fit your arms out, and then, can I put my knee, like, above the side of it? I mean... <laughs> Yeah, straddle it, put your legs on either side. <laughs> I think that was my um, method of transportation that that evening. Yeah, I, I do like Mad Hatter's Teacups. Uh, it's a nice ride, especially um, when you want to go on um, some attractions that are a little bit more tamer. And a lot, I was going to say more themed. They're not really more themed, but I don't know. Well, I mean, you uh, say it's tame, Andrew. Land. You Sorry, say go. it's tame. Yeah. But those things spin really fast. Depends who you're sitting in the teacup with. Well, that's true. I mean, I just sit there like, if there's something to play with in the middle, go for it. Fast well, as we can. This is an explicit um, podcast, by the way. Rude. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, uh, on Twitter, when um, this poll came out, I actually commented 
Tower of Terror gets my vote. And then it's quite funny because Cafe Fantasia then said, Alas, you aren't allowed to vote on your own Twitter polls. And not, not, not to read every single tweet one by one, but I did reply by uh, saying, but not on this account I can't vote. That does mean I've probably got another 10 Twitter accounts somewhere, which may or may not have voted for the Tower of Terror. Well, I mean, I think judging by most of the comments, I think Tower of Terror was going to win anyway. Yeah, we've got uh, Jeff from uh, DLP Town Square. He said he liked both, uh, but the immersion uh, gets his vote, and that's why he's going to be taking a ride on the elevator, which is Tower of Terror. Um, Spyglass Hill, obviously Tower of Terror. It wasn't that obvious, though, because uh, DLRP Wonders Nikki, she uh, said Mad Hatter's teacups always, and there's a lovely picture of her riding the teacups with her Minnie Mouse or Mickey Mouse ears on. So there wasn't many people, although I'd say... In the end, it was 71% for the Tower of Terror against 29% for Mad Hatter's teacups. So, a bit of a storm and win there for the Tower of Terror. Yeah, nearly 30% though. Not not bad for the teacups. Not bad. Yeah, if you if you compare them and if you compare the budget, of it, when <laughs> obviously the um, Mad Hatter's teacups were there for the opening day and the, the Tower of Terror is kind of an import from the different parks. But when you uh, compare how much money it would have cost even just to sort the ground out for the Tower of Terror must have been probably double or triple the cost of the Mad Hatter's teacups. I should think so. But, you know, Mad Hatter's teacups is a is very much a Disneyland classic. Although, I suppose, flip side of that, Tower of Terror, I would call that a modern classic. Yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. Um, I do think, I know we've mentioned this on previous podcasts, especially the Tower of Terror episode, but to have the random drops that um, the other park or some of the other parks have would just add even more to this. And recent years, which we haven't really mentioned, apart from when we came up with a similar idea on the Tower of Terror podcast, which park is it? Is it Walt Disney World that's um, possibly going to get a real bar in the uh, Tower of Terror yes. attraction building? I'm pretty sure we did come up with that idea on our podcast. I mean, I think we said a restaurant on the roof, but the yeah. restaurant bar, you know, very similar. Whatever we said was it was a licensed venue on the attraction. Mm-hmm. We didn't say yep. whereabouts or what they were serving. So royalties... Please, please, come on. Yeah, just send it to uh, send the check, uh, but ask for our ask for our address. It's royalties at magicaldlp.co.uk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, we had Peter Pan's flight versus Big Thunder Mountain. I'll start with this one. I do like both the attractions, and if we were going just with what the queue line was like, then I would probably vote for Peter Pan's flight. Uh, because, as I've said previously, I don't like getting stuck in the big Thunder Mountain queue. Sadly, it hasn't been open for quite a long time now as the refurbishment's happening. I haven't actually been on the attraction for a couple of years, uh, but I would definitely, well, I did vote for big Thunder Mountain. I'm surprised you say that because, I mean, I can understand that the big big Thunder Mountain queue, A, is very long, and B, it does a lot of sort of winding around, just a, you know, an old western building, but I can't feel that Peter Pan's flight's queue is much better than that. There's a lot of there's a lot of weaving. It's generally the queue's pretty long. To be honest, both of these rides I tend to only go on if I can get a fast pass for it. That's true. Uh, I'm probably going off. Obviously, I go to Disneyland Paris at a certain time of year, normally February slash March. And Peter Pan's flight normally, if you catch it at the right time of day, the the queue isn't that bad. So I've never actually really queued for long on Peter Pan's flight whereas on Big Thunder Mountain every time I go no matter when it's always been full to capacity and you know you're going to be queuing 
for a good 60 to 70 minutes at least. That's interesting because, I mean, certainly memories of the last time I was there. Uh, probably not during extra magic hours in the morning, but definitely during the day. Peter Pan's flight was rocking up a sort of 40, 50 minute queue, which, I mean, it's a great ride. Lovely theming, but oof, that's a long queue. Uh, we've met, I think we've mentioned this before as well, De- adding some extra interactive features. I don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon. But I mean, Peter Pan's flight is closed for refurbishment at the minute, but I don't think uh, they are going to change the queue system because they refurbished, uh, it might have been California, it might have been Florida, I can't remember. Um, and they did, they did add into the queuing system some more interactive elements, but I don't think they're coming to Paris by, uh, by what the rumour mill has been saying. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a shame. Because, um, again, those kind of interactive elements do make the queue line feel shorter and it feel more immersive. And it also gets, um, I don't know, it just if you don't notice many changes in the attraction because they've kind of just upgraded the technology but kept it all the same and they've kept the, the deck all the same, it just looks fresher. A lot of normal, in quotation marks, normal guests maybe don't notice that, whereas if they visited a few times and they noticed, wow, we've got some really good features in this queue line now. That's when they've noticed the difference. So, But again, if it's all about refreshing the park for the 25th anniversary, making it look like it was on the day that it opened on the 12th of April, 1992, um, then they can kind of live without these extra little features in the uh, queue line. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, rumours say that the refurbishment to Big Thunder Mountain will be including some interactive elements for the queue line. True. So uh, what I've just said about Peter Pan's flight queue line, I take it all back when I'm talking about Big Thunder Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the uh, what interacting with some elements at the at the start of the queue that will end up having an effect somewhere down the line, or just winding up some cogs or doing different things, just kind of takes your mind off things, doesn't it? It does. It does. I mean, they're well, from my experience, they're both long queues. Clearly, you disagree, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, standing in a queue is always a bit boring. I mean, neither of them have sort of pre-shows particularly, so, yeah. Something to play around with, something to take your mind off standing in a line. Always take, take your mind off the netting on the side of the windows. Oh, that's true. Which we discussed previously. Oh, I'd forgotten about that, but you've brought it back now, Andrew. Maybe, the, who knows, they might have uh, thought of a way of um, solving that issue while it's being closed for this year, and hopefully they will no longer, long, no longer be there. That'd be nice. We can dream. We can dream. Um, I was shocked with how big the gap was between Peter Pan's flight and Big Fundamental, even though well, yeah. um, a lot of, when you hear people talking about it and see the Twitter feeds and Facebook and forums, uh, Big Fundamental does come out a lot more than Peter Pan's flight, so I was expecting Big Fundamental to win, uh, but with 83% of the uh, actual votes compared to 17% for Peter Pan's flight, uh, I don't know, I was quite surprised at the gap. It's, I mean, it's a commanding victory, really. Which is, yeah, I agree. That's quite surprising because Peter Pan's flight is, I mean, that is something that everyone likes. You know, it's a different ride being that it's suspended and, you know, the the colours and the lights and sort of flying out of a room and then flying over London. You know, it's it's all you know very nice. And again, it's a, it's a classic. Um, but I suppose, I mean, you said uh, when we were doing the review of round one, if one ride was gone from the park, which, you know, which one would you sort of miss the most and we have both of them gone at the minute but I think Big Thunder Mountain if you removed it as is currently the case you've basically destroyed like half of the Disneyland park it's really fundamental 
Well, it's kind of um, not, it's noticeable right now if you're in Disneyland Paris as we record this because most of Frontierland is shut off. And now that um, the Forest of Enchantment uh, stage show is, is finished as well for the season, there's not much happening. You kind of directed around a different route now and you just can't get down Frontierland at all, really. Um, mm-hmm. So that shows you what the park would be like if Big Thunder Mountain was gone forever. And it's a terrifying prospect, isn't it? But luckily, because it's of our poll... coming back in December! Yeah, exactly. And because of our poll, it's not going anywhere. No, it's staying safe. right here. Stay, it's gone into round three of uh, the Magical DLP poll. Huzzah! <laughs> Disneyland Railroad versus It's a Small World. The most lovable, but most annoying tune at the same time. Mmm. I mean, it is annoying, and it's in my head now. <laughs> it's not going to come out all evening. That'll be it now. You won't be going to sleep. Oh, no. Round and round and round it'll be going. Yeah, um, Disneyland Railroad, be honest, I have done it a few times, but it's normally where it's either a little bit wet, so you don't mind, well, you want something that you can, so you can still see the park, but you've got a little bit of cover on you, because you've got the little roof of the carriage. Um, also, if you've had a long day, and you just want to chill out. It's not, it is nice to just sit around and drive around the park. Um, but it's not one that if I didn't do it, I would be crying my eyes out or tearing my hair out saying, oh, what? Um, I didn't manage to get onto Disneyland Railroad. But as we keep mentioning, and it looks like we're going to mention this for most of the attractions in round two, it is a classic and it's part of what the Disneyland uh, park is all about, isn't it? Well, definitely. I mean, I. It's not so much of a weenie uh, in Paris as is as it is in other parks, but you know the station in Main Street's always been a a huge staple of a Disneyland park, and of course it's it you know it's that thing that encloses all the rest of the park, the railroad going around it. And frankly, I you know I think it's really nice. You have to get on at the right station, obviously. Never never think about getting on in in uh, Main Street itself because oh you'll just queue forever. But you know the ride around is lovely. You get to take in a lot of sides, you get to take in all the different lands. You know, I think it's fabulous. Now, it, again, it's been closed. The stations have been closed at different points throughout the year, and it's reopened again recently. With but the I Go on. Th- think I'm right in saying that as we, as we speak, there's only one station open. Yeah, I think so you it's based... just Fantasyland. Uh, yeah, because obviously... Um, Main Street's up, down. Yeah. And, uh, uh, Main Street's in refurbishment. Discoveryland uh, yeah. is down. Yeah, <laughs> madness. Uh, but at least you can still go on and do the loop. Part you can. Of it... I'd like to. I'd like to see the loop right now, though, because I would imagine there's a lot of scaffolding around that loop. Cause... And for us geeky fans, just imagine if you could get a peek of some work being done or Ooh, a little bit behind the scenes. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Don't tempt me. <laughs> What, you're going to travel all that way? Hang on, that can be. We like to have a, a challenge for our listeners, don't we? So if you're listening to this, and you're going soon, pop on the railroad, do the loop, and then see what see what you know cheeky little behind-the-scenes shots you can get for us. That's our challenge in this podcast. There we go. Challenge accepted. Hopefully, by somebody. Ooh, we'll find out. So, um... My favourite part of the Disneyland Railroad is going through uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, even though you're only in there for mm. a couple of seconds, a fraction, but you just get the smell and the sound and the, the, the feel of the attraction. You do. You can um, usually see one boat and a, you see you the water, the you can see all the rocks and whatever, and it suddenly it becomes dark so quickly once you go in there. 
Yeah, brilliant. part of me actually, part of me would like that to actually be longer. Um, yes. Or, yeah, or even so, I don't know. Obviously, it can't happen now, but it would have been great if it incorporated other attractions as well, because I like the idea so much. Um, obviously, it'd be, be weird if you're trying to board the Star Speeder and uh, you're driving past and uh, well, you're standing in the queue line, ready to board, and a, an old-fashioned train from the 1800s just drives past and toots on. Yeah, I mean, that on, that on really saying work. that though, on saying that, I mean, it's very rare to be on Pirates of the Caribbean and ever manage to actually see the train. It's very well hidden because of the angles and the height that it's at above the attraction. So, I mean, I'd personally like to be uh, to be on the train and then go through underneath Space Mountain. I, I think that'd be yeah, great, like the cool. old Chicken Way or whatever they used to call it. Yeah, the oh, the Stellarway, Stellar Stairway. As you Either can way, tell, a bit where the you're... fast pass queue now is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there's single rider on there now as well, isn't there? There is. Yeah, you've got um, so many options. Yeah, I didn't do it when I was there in February because uh, we didn't need to because the queue times were so amazing. Um, anyway, we'll discuss that later. But yeah, there's there's certain bits of Disneyland Railroad that I do find boring. No, there's once you've went past that and Pirates of the Caribbean, you got the mural and you got the little um, stuffed animals. Oh yeah, stuff like going that. into Frontierland. You do you do kind of just end up with. So yeah, that's before Pirates of the Caribbean, isn't it? There's a bit, there's a gap, there's like just a lot of greenery, and then you see a couple of real, like, well, crossings and some roads. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, there's a little gap. Now, obviously, part of the, the part of the niceness of the attraction is that it is just a, like a little train that's taking you around. So you don't want it to be full all the time. It's not an attraction where you go to be mesmerised by lots of different things, which is what um, Studio Tram 2 is supposed to be like. <laughs> So you don't want it to be like that. You don't want to have to go through a catastrophe canyon and your train like slides off the track and you get covered in water. But I don't know. I just feel if I had, if there was some other little bits in the gaps. It was yes, just, it's a it's a shame that you actually see a road there, like a tarmac road that's clearly for cars. It's a shame because it's yeah. it feels very backstage. But of course, that is the area where you know maybe Splash Mountain one day, maybe nice. Indiana Jones ride, as in. Like um, motion vehicle ride rather than roller coaster. You never know. It's what they were thinking initially. That is true. But it was up against It's a Small World. And again, if you're going to pick, we keep saying it's a classic, same as Disneyland Railroad. But It's a Small World is uh, one of the most iconic attractions and it has been for years and years and years. And probably if you speak to a lot of people who've never been to a Disney park before, they'll still have heard. Um, the It's a Small World song as it's featured on um, things like The Simpsons and other cartoons and films and it's just kind of one of those modern day um, names and songs that everyone just seems to know. It is, it is, and it's a very annoying song, but I mean, it's, you know, it encapsulates the ride really, doesn't it? Now I haven't, I have to say, I've, you know, I've not been on it since it's received its refurbishment, although on saying that the refurbishment has they've upgraded the lighting? I think they've they've uh, improved the sound quality as well. But I think they're, if I'm right, over the two years towards 2017, since they did the refurbishment, they're only slowly changing the costumes of the dolls gradually over that time. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, they're going to slowly do that, and then that'll be when they introduce the uh, VIP or the classic characters um, in the style of It's a Small World dolls, I believe. Uh, so that'll be happening slowly as you've said, over the last couple of years. Uh, when I was there in February, 
the biggest thing I noticed, apart from the facade of the building and the paint, was absolutely amazing. Uh, luckily, I was there on a really blue sunny day, like blue skies, really good sunny day. Um, but the, the colours that were coming off the building were amazing. There was the golds and all the different pinks and blues. It just, you, you, you could definitely tell, especially comparing it to the year before when it was quite dull and he was needing a lick of paint. But the biggest thing that stood out for me, and I've mentioned this as an issue before previously, probably on our uh, It's a Small World podcast, was the state of the carpets inside the attraction. Ah, um, yes. And they were lovely. You could tell that somebody had been out with a Dyson. Hmm. Um, other brands are available, but Dyson can send us a free Hoover, well, Dyson if they like. Yeah, just James, James Dyson himself. He could just <laughs> pop over with a Hoover one day. <laughs> Thanks, James. If he pops over with a Hoover, though, that's uh, another brand name, isn't it? Oh, oh, it's, con- a, vac- it's a vacuum cleaner. It's a sucky thing. A sucky thing that sucks yeah. up things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the carpet, it was always my bugbear for some reason, apart from the ceiling, and the which roof. I think is still the same. Yeah, the, the ceiling's still the same. But uh, it's probably just a bit more bluer. Or a darker blue, I think. But yeah, the carpet, it, there was no like spider's webs, dirt, coins, anything. They've, you could tell that they've actually taken a, a t- the time to do a deep clean. Now, I can imagine, uh, because I went in February and it's now May, it's probably going back to the similar um, standards it was before, unless they're doing something about cleaning it more regularly, or unless they've done something, put a special coating on the carpet so it repels all dirt. If so, I want a spray of that in it. I want to get some of that in a tin. Yeah, oh, my room could do with that here at university. Crikey. Although, mind you, I mean, my room could do with me actually cleaning it, but you never know. Whatever. I'm a uni student. It's not what I do. Oh, yeah, you, you can do that when you've qualified. Yeah, you exactly. To, you, have, you have to move out of your accommodation. That's when you find, well, that's where my dissertation was from two years ago. <laughs> I thought I started that. But, yeah, it's a small world. I was really, really impressed. Um, and... I think we did it twice actually on our recent trip, and that was just because I wanted to go and see how nice and clean it was. And there were still a few of the animatronic dolls that weren't working. Uh, some of them, if I remember, there was one um, I can't remember what scene it was, but she was winking away. And I remember in our last in our podcast about It's a Small World, talking about this winking doll that was winking really fast, and it was weird because one eye <laughs> was going fast and the other eye was going slow. Um, that one seemed to still be doing that. Now, whether Oh, well, I would hope that they fix that problem in the refurb and it's just happened to have kind of become a problem again. Yeah. Now, here's, here's a question for you. I believe this poll was done before you last visited the attraction, so before you visited it uh, when it had gone through most of its refurbishment with the fantastic carpets. Yeah, 14th Can you remember how yeah. you voted in the original and would you change your mind now? Very good question. I can't remember because obviously I would have to have used a, another Twitter account. Oh, which um, you would never do that. No, never, no I, don't, I don't want to avoid the whole experiment. I don't want to avoid the whole DLP poll. Mind you, 117 votes there. You can't have done all of them, Andrew. Oh, no. Or can you? Uh, no, I've only got 100 accounts. So. Oh, cool. That's, <laughs> that's another like 15 then if you include me. That's fine. It's fine. Um, I can't honestly remember, but. I don't, well, thinking if I was to vote now, which is what we're talking about, really, it was mm-hmm. always going to be It's a Small World. Now, I know you, even even before, sorry, even before the uh, refurbishment, I just think that because of, every time you go, you always see something different, unless you've been on the attraction a hundred times. I always feel that when I go, if I look at it, I always make sure I'm looking a different direction, or I'm trying to get on a different side of the board, just so I can 
kind of focus on a different part each time, and it does kind of give it a bit of rewritability. Yeah, I mean what we've what we've brought up uh, is uh, is nicely sort of summed up by Stephen Drabwell uh, when he says that well he doesn't really like it's a small world but he does always ride it, uh, but he loves the train even if only for the existence of Main Street Station, and I mean that's such an important point you know these these two rides have you know they've got so much value in themselves but also the fantastic main street station and the fantastic facade particularly with the new colors that it's a small world has you know these these attractions are weenies in themselves and that's it would, it would be such a loss it would if we be lost either of them will it be a loss if the disneyland railroad was to go um because it would take with it all the decorations that get put on there now it I'm kind of on the fence with this one. Uh, when I was there in spring, wasn't actually the spring season this time, so it was a year ago now. The um, the big flower or the big daisy with the big petals on uh, Main Street Station. At the, more, at the at the time, that was a really big talking point in the DLP community. I kind of when I was there, I liked it and it worked. But when I was viewing it through Twitter and through videos, I wasn't really 100% sure um, about the big flower being stuck up on there on Main Street Station. And I really wanted to see it just as it was meant to be, the Main Street Station. What's your opinion on that? Yes, again, I'm not sure. I mean, I I tend to be there uh, sort of summery kind of season, so I, I often miss miss any things that they, they put on. I think I can remember seeing... Uh, I believe they put a big 20 on there. I think that's the last thing that I would have seen attached to Main Street yeah, Station. Yeah, and I didn't particularly like that, personally. I don't know. It's just, it's such a gorgeous-looking building, and generally the stuff they put on there is a bit plastic-looking. So, not for me, personally. Going back to uh, the comments on Twitter, somebody called Simon West said, Ah, oh. Andrew, I just don't know how to decide. This, the uh, railroad is a staple, but Small World was my nan's favourite attraction. Was my um, nan's favourite attraction. I had then suggested that we flipped a coin, or you flipped a coin, and drum roll. It's, it's a, a small, small world. world. Yeah. yeah. Because that was in synchronisation, that was stereo. How good's that? <laughs> We've been speaking on podcasts for far too long, Simon, although <laughs> 12, 12 episodes in about two and a half years isn't that many. But anyway, that's a different talking point. Um, I'm sure Stephen Drabwell will uh, email us in and uh, tell us how uh, long it's been between each podcast. Sorry, Stephen. It's been so long. But yeah, 72% of the vote goes to It's a Small World and only 28% for Disneyland Railroad. It's kind of where I probably expected that one to go to, if I'm being honest. I think so, yeah. I mean, it is almost more the station that that makes... uh, the railroad rather than the actual trip round. There's nothing that exciting about it. That's true. And because it's an attraction, uh, Paul, I would hope that people are picking um, or voting on the attraction side of things rather than just the, oh, that looks nice when I walk underneath it. Although on saying that, the Sleeping Beauty's Castle is doing really well. <laughs> but that it's, it's up against something that shouldn't really be in the category, but we'll discuss that in a minute. Well, maybe not in a minute, maybe about two hours' time. (laughs) We're quite (laughs) slow with this. We like these attractions. Rock and Roller Coaster uh, was up against Pirates of the Caribbean. Again, if... I keep saying again. I need to stop saying again. I've just noticed as well, in the last couple of weeks, my students have been reminding me, Sir, why do you keep saying realistically? Every five minutes, I just keep saying, Realistically, you should do this. Realistically, it should look like that. And I didn't realise it until they started taking the mick of me out of me 
Oh, Andrew. Oh, it's, I can take. I can take it. I can give banter when I receive it. It's fine. But it's just when I keep saying, oh, I forgot what it was. I said now. What did I keep saying? Again. Again. Yeah. Again and again and again. 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 <laughs> again. But Rock and Roller Coaster is one of those attractions that not every single visitor is going to do. Especially if you're a, a family. Maybe there's a father and a son, a young son, or a mother and a daughter, or two parents and two children who are really young and they don't fancy roller coasters. So Rock and Roller Coaster is one of those thrill attractions or roller coaster attractions that not many people, well, not not many, quite a lot of people, but I would say maybe 20-30% of the uh, people going there are never ever going to uh, ride or get onto the rock and roller coaster yeah i mean it often doesn't have particularly huge queues sometimes you'll see it and have like a 40 minute queue but i think often it uh, it can sometimes even be down as low as five minutes which i mean for a roller coaster which the virgin in uh florida constantly has queues of you know an hour maybe even two hours it's interesting that here in europe it doesn't doesn't appear to draw the crowds now, is it because, I know, well, obviously they're both Aerosmith, the one over here and the one over in America, but I don't know, Aerosmith have never been popular while I've been around or interested in music. Obviously, I know the music mainly because of this attraction. Yeah, same. Um, but I've never grown up with them, and I can imagine most of the people that are visiting now will know of them, but won't really know or really be fans of them. Would that be something that stops people going on it? or Perhaps, um, but I, I could only imagine that would be... Uh, more more of an effect when the ride actually opened. I mean, as as we said, you know, you can compare it quite easily to the to its equivalent in America, but that still has huge queues. You know, it it's it's will be the same age groups visiting both parks, and yet in America it's uh, it's a much bigger deal. Although maybe that's because they have far fewer big roller coasters there, whereas we have we've got some bigger roller coasters <laughs> in Space Mountain in the other park. That's true. And Indiana uh, Jones as well. It's quite a, it's quite an intense one. I wasn't stalking you before on Twitter, Simon, but I, I was reading um, some tweets that you were discussing with Cafe Fantasia, yes. who's currently in Walt Disney World. He is indeed. And you were talking about the differences between Rock and Roller Coaster uh, in DLP and in Walt Disney World. Because obviously you've, you've been lucky enough to ride uh, both of them. So what there was kind of a, a win on one side for one element and a win for another park on the other. What kind of happened? What was well, discussed? so the, di- the difference between the two attractions, they're both based around Aerosmith, but they've got a different story to them. So in Paris, it's this idea that Aerosmith is working on some sort of uh, musical roller coaster experience. You know, it's very clear, you know, it's a roller coaster. It's got some stage lights, you listen to music as you go around. In Florida, it has what I would call a real story, and that's that you go into the, you know, exactly the same sort of pre-show area as you do in Paris, uh, but the sort of, I don't know, their manager, tour manager or whatever comes in and says, hey, Aerosmith, you know, you can't talk to these guys right now. You've, you've got to go to a concert. And they go, oh, okay, we'll go to a concert. But these people are with us. We can't go to the concert without them. So the whole idea is that you board these stretch limousines and you have to race to the concert to get there because you're late. Uh, so instead of going around and there just being loads of stage lights, You've still got the music, but you go around and you see all these Hollywood signs and you fly through, you know, the Hollywood and the Hills signs. You know, it's all very big and cartoony, um, but it's all sort of this this rush around Los Angeles. You know, it's not it's not a sort of realistic kind of thing. It's all very cartoon. But personally, I just feel like 
just going around and having some stage lights. The lighting's great, it's fun, but I, I you know, I, I want some nice big sets. And like I say, you know, they they my favourite bit of it is uh, the, you see the Hollywood and the Hills sign sort of illuminate in front of you, and then you dive through the O in the middle. And I just think it's great fun. Just think it's got a bit more pizzazz than the one in Paris. Yeah, that's the thing. Cafe the... Fantasia disagrees with me, however. <laughs> How does he say? I can't quite remember what uh, what he said so, exactly preferred, what, but uh, either way, no, he he preferred the theming in Paris, and he's he's certainly not alone in that. There was a there was quite a divide on that chat actually between people saying that. Oh, I prefer prefer the theming in Paris, or I prefer the theming in America. Do you think that the outside of the build, the show building in Paris, also may have an effect on people going that far? Oh, yeah, so, it's really ugly. Because <laughs> obviously you've got about 10,000 miles squared miles of concrete in front of it. You've got Armageddon. There's not really much more happening around there now. You've got that umbrella, which occasionally gets rained on. Occasionally gets rained on. <laughs> It's a little bit green, funky now because it's had so many years of mould and rain on it. I mean, do uh, they do they change that depending on what the sort of the weather's like? Do they just switch it on in summer? <laughs> well, yeah, there's no point switching it on when it's like raining for real, is there? <laughs> people yeah. must people don't use it as an attraction; they use it more of a place to keep dry. I mean, the, the thing that I like about it is that I mean, the amount of water that you need to get a good picture of of rain. It's, there's not enough water anyway. <laughs> just a little drizzle. It is, yeah. Yeah, um, I have one memory of Rock and Roller Coaster from a few years ago now. Um, obviously, the onboard soundtrack is a great element, and it, it adds so much to a lot of the attractions at Disneyland Paris. But it kind of failed on us one time. We were we were on the attraction. We were it must have been a slow point when we were going up some kind of little lift hill or something like that, and the music completely stopped. I think we were listening to Dude Looks Like a Lady. Oh, that's a good song. Um, luckily for me, a lot of the people on the train with us were all students anyway, so I wasn't too embarrassed to do this. But because it all went quiet, I just started shouting and singing it as loud as I could all the way around. You you have to be the embarrassing teacher, <laughs> don't you? You've got to be that guy. Oh, well, they all laughed and they thought it was amazing. Oh, very good. So they enjoyed the performance then, right? Oh, yeah. They all, clapped at, they I all, mean, clapped, they all clapped at the end. Forget the roller coaster then. You were clearly better than it. So now, it's one of those stories that I tell people, but the, the music's never actually failed on me ever again. So maybe the cast members have decided that we can't let the um, the onboard soundtrack fail ever again. Can't be Andrew, upstaged again. Or else Andrew will sing for us, and it's just going to destroy the roller coaster. The The vibrations of his horrible voice will knock out a few screws or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, maybe that's why the people voted for Pirates of the Caribbean to win them. They just yeah. didn't like your singing. We don't need to speak much about Pirates of the Caribbean, really, do we? After having one of our first podcast podcast episodes about the attraction. Um, <laughs> that has, was a long one. <laughs> it has got quite a lot of love um, as well. And a lot of love being an understatement there. And of course, um, if you want some of that love, dedicated to DLP is the place for you. Oh yeah, it's mentioned as much as we mention uh, projection mapping. Oh, how have we not mentioned projection mapping so far? Uh, it's quite funny. I don't know if anyone. I don't know if you've listened to in my Disney Opinion podcast, um, which is the live kind of call-in show for Disneyland Paris fans or Disney fans in general. Have you listened to that before? I have not personally. No, I if don't you get tend to find time on a Saturday evening. It's actually quite good to listen to again on like repeat or on iTunes. Uh, but it's quite funny because I was I wasn't managing to catch this episode. Uh, well, it was a couple of weeks ago now, and I got a tweet, and somebody just said, "I can't believe somebody's phoned in on." in my Disney Opinion podcast to discuss projection mapping and it's not Andrew or Simon from Magical DLP. 
Ah, oh, well, I mean, you know, it's a very popular subject. Which, by the way, I don't know whether you've seen the pictures of Shanghai Disneyland, but oh. they are doing some projection mapping on their massive castle, and it, that oh, is epic. it's very exciting. Um, Not that I can afford to go there, but very oh, no. exciting nonetheless. Another place that's using some very good projection mapping techniques is Universal as well. It's, are you thinking of uh, the, the Hogwarts yeah. castle? I think, what's the, was it Hollywood they've just opened that? Hollywood, that's correct, yes. Yeah, that looks fab as well, doesn't that it? That looks amazing. But we don't discuss Universal. This is no, a Disneyland Paris no. podcast. Yeah, Disney. <laughs> <clears throat> um, somebody else on Twitter who um, actually voted against Pirates of the Caribbean was Matty, uh, Matty Eland on Twitter. Uh, he said he loved a roller. Well, he loves a roller coaster and he loves Pirates of the Caribbean. But being a pure coaster enthusiast and a lighting designer, he had to vote Aerosmith. Well, I mean, that's it's a good point actually, as a as a sort of coaster enthusiast because my gosh that roller coaster is so well designed i mean i love space mountain one of my favorites but it's really quite uncomfortable you've never got any idea what's going on it's not you know it's a too big roller coaster in too small a space but oh rock and roller coaster it's so smooth and you don't it doesn't feel like a huge roller coaster but when you see what the roller coaster actually looks like there's they've got a version of it in a park in a I think it's Holland, um, yeah, that's outside. That, yeah. And it, when you look at it, it's terrifying. But you wouldn't know it having been on the roller coaster. It doesn't feel like a, doesn't feel like a huge roller coaster. It's so smooth and enjoyable to ride, but it's actually massive. Yeah, and how they managed... I know they've probably built the shore building, well, not the shore building, but they're building around the attraction anywhere. But just to fit it all inside, um, the amount of like time you get on the attraction and for it to all just be inside that little box of a building. Mm-hmm. It's and amazing how it's fit in there. It's great also that they've managed to fit that box of a building nicely, nicely backed away, so you can't actually ever really see that building much. It might give I us mean, something interesting huge. to see, though. It would give us something interesting to see. What they should have is a one-way mirror, so we can all look inside the, and see the roller coaster flying around, but inside you don't get to see the light. I don't, mm. It wouldn't work that way anyway, but because of how one-way mirrors work. But it just gives you something. And I remember as well when, because um, Rock and Roller Coaster's shut at the moment, isn't it, for refurbishment? It is. Not a big refurbishment, not one of the no. run-up to 2017 ones, but just sort of casual maintenance. Uh, casual what... maintenance. <laughs> Routine maintenance. Yeah, they're just sort of walking in there, having a picnic while they're doing it. It's yeah, all very they're wearing, casual and wearing some Converse. Yeah, they're all um, in shorts. Yeah. <laughs> Newspaper under their arm. Yeah. That's how people roll these days, isn't it? That's how they rock and roll these days. There we go. Linking it back to what we're actually talking about. Ah. Um, I one thing I one one thing that this should change uh, on the show building is the really big CD or the big disc that's outside. I remember seeing a few um, weeks ago now when it first closed for a refurbishment that they should be changing that disc to at least like an MP3 player or um, a memory pen and USB stick. It's funny, I, I saw that tweet of yours, and I hadn't thought of it until you said that, but actually, I mean, yes, I haven't used a CD in a long time. And I can imagine there's a lot of students, well, students, a lot of guests there that will never have ever used one and never will use one again. Really? Do you think? Oh, yeah. Andrew, you've just made me feel really old. No, you'd be surprised. I've got 15, 16-year-olds now that if I've said, well, they've actually, on the ta- on the side of the PC towers we've got, um, a CD drive or a DVD drive. Uh-huh, of course. Obviously, they've seen DVDs and discs for the PlayStations. Video and games, yeah. And Blu-ray stuff like that. But when it comes to listening to music or having a game, like a PC game on a CD, 
they've never heard of like a compact disc before. Whoa. <laughs> so if they wouldn't, they wouldn't have the con obviously not all of them. Maybe it's just my deprived area where I live. But um, a lot of people their age now, especially younger, they won't associate music with discs. with with discs. No, I suppose not. Wow, you've made oh, me feel old, Andrew. Like when I spoke to someone the other day, and they told me that Friends was for old people, and I thought, no, <laughs> not Friends. But yeah, I suppose times change. So yeah, um, even though we've discussed quite a lot about Rock and Roller Coaster, he did lose the vote, and it was 28% um, versus 72% of Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, we don't mean this, like I said before, we don't need to say why Pirates of the Caribbean won. It's one that most people always have, have on their list of attractions they want to ride. Um, even if you don't like the big thrill or a roller coaster, it's only got like one or two little drops. If anything, the scariest thing I find on Pirates of the Caribbean is the lift hill going up? Think, I think it's the game. queuing system. It's really dark. <laughs> oh, have you actually have you actually queued in there for long enough for your eyes to adjust to the darkness? Nope, never. So there you go. Can't be that scary if you're running through it. Oh, it's more like stumbling through it, confused, and then <laughs> occasionally you look through a grate and there's a skeleton there. What is happening here? Yeah, at one point one of my students ended up in some kind of um, behind some metal bars. Wait, what? <laughs> one, uh, I think it's when you first go in. Once you've done one of the first like turns, like heading towards you before you turn right, there's just some like gates with bars on, and I'm, I'm well, it's part of the props obviously, and I'm, I'm hoping that it should have been locked for on most of the occasions, but for some reason the gate was just open. Actually, so just, I think I know the one you're on about. So he just kind of he just hid in there, ran ahead, hid in there, and then everyone walked past, you know, dares walking into things, and he just jumped out, and everybody and some poor innocent family screamed. Oh. But obviously, as a professional, I stood in and said, <clears throat> we don't expect that from our students, thank you very much. Yeah, very good, very good. And you said um, it in French, obviously. Oh, well, my students don't speak French, so... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's got everything. It's got the classicness. It's got um, some really clever effects for how old the effects are. They will, of course, be changed in the refurbishment start of 2017. We'll get Jack Sparrow with his funky sword fighting animatronics and then we'll also yes. have new weather effects in the final grotto scene should be cool have you seen shanghai's version i've yes but i haven't watched any povs or anything yet because no, it just looks so different and so cool i want to i sort of want to leave it yeah i've only seen a couple of clips but obviously they've used some kind of projection mapping and some kind of screen and real world props and animatronics as well and it just everything just works together so amazingly. But in some ways, would that be too polished and too modern? I think it probably would. Well, maybe. I mean, I'd I'd have to ride it to find out. Someone pay for me to go to Shanghai, please. I've got the perfect people who can get us there, and it's staring me right in the face. I've got a pen in my hand, and that pen says Holiday Hamster. Oh. Holidayhamster.co.uk. Martin Walker and his lovely missus. They sent me a couple of pens for mentioning them a couple of weeks ago. And here we go again, I've mentioned them again. Fantastic. So I wonder what deal they can do for Shanghai. We'll, we'll see, see what's coming up in the future. Me, me and Simon would love to re review it for uh, our podcast. Oh, for, that would for... be a long podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that think would... we'd ever shut up. <laughs> that would be a year's worth, surely. <laughs> well, I mean, someone's someone's got to be you know willing to put in the money for that sort of length and quality of media, right? Of course. 
If not, we can do a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah! <laughs> Everyone puts a pound in. That's at least £100. Yes. <laughs> That'll cover maybe a fifth of one flight. We're not going to be able to discuss the next round or the next matchup very much, apart from the Dumbo part of it, because Ratatouille, the adventure, is up against Dumbo, the flying elephant. Indeed, and I've, I've still that. not done Ratatouille, and, and I've decided I'm not I'm not even going to consider going this year because of all the refurbishments. So so what are we going to do about this Ratatouille, the adventure then? Because we don't want to go into much detail, because we don't want to spoil it for you, Simon. But then again, the listeners want to hear about it. Ah, oh, the listeners do. Well, I mean, we we have talked about it before. I'm pretty sure we talked about it in the in the last boat. Just uh... or with Chris Van der Sand. Oh, in the last vote. Sorry. In the last vote. No, no. You're thinking about Star Tours. You're getting very confused, Andrew. No, Chris. I'm sure Chris mentioned it a little bit. I think he probably did. Um, but Dumbo the Flying Elephant. I don't actually remember ever doing this ride. I think it's always been shut down. Or refurbished, been refurbished when I've been. I think it was in refurbishment when I was last there. Actually, I'm pretty sure I must have must have been on it though. I can't remember it, but I'm pretty. I must have done it. It's very. It seems very similar from what I remember to Orbitron or to flying carpets over Agrabah as a kind of spinning around, going up and down. It is quite popular, and I'm, I, I want to say that uh, in Walt Disney World they have a couple of these. Uh, they don't just have one. Yeah, I think that's true, and I think in might have been California or somewhere where I think they were they were building a second one. They were doing it at the same time that Paris was opening, and then uh, they got one ready for Paris, but they really wanted the one in California or Florida to open the second one to open sooner. So they just chipped over the one from Paris, built it there, and we had to <laughs> Paris had to wait for the other one to be built. Blimey! I think that's true. It's something vaguely like that. I can see why, though, especially if you're in Fantasyland and you've got all those little kids running around dressed as princes and princesses. Um, put them on an elephant. Put them on an elephant. Elephants never forget. Exactly. So it's one of those, yeah, because it, it goes, spins around for its one minute, two minutes, or whatever it is, and I can imagine, well, the the, um, the capacity is quite slow, um, the kind of run, turnaround period of the attraction once you've loaded everybody or unloaded everybody. So if it is a quite a popular one and it takes guests out of the out of the park and into a queue, then having an extra version of Dumbo uh, in the other parks isn't a bad idea. Probably um, very sensible. Something they're doing other attractions as well. But I think it's just a bit silly how you walk around. I don't, I don't know if they're close to each other or they're separate from each other. Um, but having them and like turning a corner. Wait a minute, I've just seen Dumbo. Am I seeing things? No, as, as far as I'm aware, they're, they're just next to each other. Next to each other. Oh, it's makes just you... two of them there. You've got two eyes, so one eye for each. One, yeah, exactly. The Imagineers have thought this through. I mean, I, I can only imagine, obviously, that the uh, experience of Ratatouille, the adventure, is, is far superior to Dumbo the Flying Elephant, certainly certainly in terms of technology. Um, well, it uses big screens. Well, yeah. And it, and it uses um, a trackless um, Omnimover type of doom buggy type ride system it's a uh, yeah, trackless gps and the, the do dance boy do they dance it's like a take like a nice ballet oh sounds fantastic i'm looking forward to it when i finally get around to it <laughs> so yeah without going into much detail the technology um i love ratatouille with the film and um, the plaster remy plus it's probably the highlight of well it is the highlight of walt disney studios isn't it 
So I think it's very fair that Ratatouille wins with 87% of the vote versus 13% for Dumbo the Flying Elephant. Yeah, so so far, that is the biggest winning margin that we've had in round two. It's a good margin. It's impressive. Um, The next one, again, we should only... I said again, again. (laughs) We should only uh, focus on this for a couple of seconds, especially when I say the words Disney Dreams versus Meet Mickey. Well, Well, we'll start with Meet Mickey. Meet Mickey is not a bad place, a building to meet Mickey Mouse. Um, If you're not a fan of queuing, I didn't... uh, Well, we queued up with Noah on on Noah's first visit uh, a few years ago now. Um, It was quite nice. You were inside like a little theatre and there was old Mickey Mouse cartoons on and Noah really loved them and the time didn't drag in, even though it was probably quite a long queue. Um, Then you've got Mickey in his own little kind of dressing room area with all of the props and memorabilia and different things. So it's a nice place to meet Mickey, but you can meet Mickey in quite a lot of other places as well. So I don't think if this was, this was ever on a list against any other attraction, I don't think it would get my vote. Probably even against Armageddon, which is a big statement. Crikey. But it's nice. But you can meet Mickey Mouse in quite a lot of places. You can, and it's also sort of using up a theatre as well. Hmm. Which is a bit of a shame. I mean, do, do we need to say anything about Disney Dreams? We've, we've done a whole podcast on it. We've talked about how fantastic the projection mapping is. We've talked about how fantastic the story is. And, well, I mean, let's be honest, all of these... Mo- well, most of these comments are just saying how utterly spectacularly amazing Dreams is. I'm not sure we can add anything, really, no. other than just saying that it's extraordinary. All I can say is you need to listen to a previous episode of Disney Dreams podcast. Um, it's all covered there very well. In serious depth. <laughs> With a lot of love for projection mapping. A lot, a lot of love. Oh, I, got, so I got an email from a projection mapping company the other day, actually, reminding me that a, a new version of their software is available. Um, I don't know if anyone can remember this far back, uh, but a couple of years ago, I kind of created a magical DLP version of Dreams, which kind of lasted about two seconds, but it was um, Elsa from Frozen, um, projected onto my wall in the door frame and then I had all sorts of different things moving in the shape of the door and it was so magical and that was me playing with projection mapping if I had so much, if I had more time I would like to devote at least 80% of my life uh, to uh, turning my whole house into a projection mapping canvas but I need to speak to the, the neighbour across the road and ask if she doesn't mind hosting the projector and computer <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing else to say. 91%. Disney Dreams won it. So that pips Ratatouille now as the uh, highest margin in the uh, round two votes against Meet Mickey with only 9%. I pro- I'm, I'm quite surprised that 9% of the people actually voted for Meet Mickey, if, if I'm honest. I mean, I suppose it is Mickey Mouse. I mean, it is. it did all start with a mouse. It did, if you believe all the stories. Ooh, controversial. <laughs> Next up, Motors Action or Motors Action versus Disney Studio One. I mean, I have to say, I can't believe this result. I didn't realise Disney Studio One could be counted as an attraction in any way. Why isn't Why isn't Main Street an attraction? This is very true. Um, I got this list from the Disneyland Paris website, and I also took this uh, some of the ideas and some of the clarification of DLRPRoundup.com. Uh, his wait times, and funnily enough, I'm sure Disney have, well, their wait time system that um, 
Graham uses from DLRP Roundup. Their system actually includes Studio One on the list of well, a list of attractions or things that can be open or closed. Uh, even though there's never a wait time on it, you'd be surprised that. And also, if it's if it's either open or closed, I mean, the, the whole park <laughs> is either open or closed. That is true. <laughs> but yeah, it's one of those. There's not the the thing itself's an attraction, but like you say, why isn't Main Street in there? Very strange. I think I, I mean I think there's a very clear answer to this. Um, Walt Disney Studios Park doesn't have enough attractions. <laughs> That's true. So we'll add some more to the list by making this big building you walk through with a fast food restaurant inside an attraction. Yeah. I mean, amazingly though, it's beaten Motors Action, which I think is a travesty because I love Motors Action. It's great. How many times have you seen it? If a you lot. Can remember a lot. a lot. A lot of times. This is. Does... It's not. A, I watch it every time, and I'm always still impressed by the stunts. I got annoyed last time when they'd cut out some stunts, and Lightning McQueen turned up and drove <laughs> very slowly across the front of the seating area. Um, but now the stunts are great, and like. Guy on the bike setting himself on fire. It's great. It's exciting. See, I've always enjoyed it, and I have done it most of the trips I've been on, but by the time you've queued up for it, and then you've sat there and watched the whole um, show, and then you kind of leave, I don't know, I'm just thinking now in my head I could be going to do something else or do another attraction in that time. Um, something I haven't seen before or something that, I don't know, it's not as, even though most of the attractions are all similar because there's no random element to them until we get Star 2 as the new version. Um, but I just see, I just feel that it's something I've done once now or a few times, and unless they change it dramatically, there's nothing else that's going to get me to go and see it again, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that's a fair point. Um, and it takes I... a lot of people out of the uh, studios uh, into the stadium, um, and the rock and roller coaster uh, queue time normally dips a little bit as well, so you can kind of run on there a few times. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. It's a, it's a shame the Crushes Coaster and Ratatouille queue lines don't tend to dip very much. <laughs> that's because it's at the other end of the uh, studio's park, that's why. Oh, the other end of that huge park. Do you think they could have some kind of big form fingers that kind of direct people, say, right? Everyone who's in the queue for Ratatouille, follow us, come this way, and just kind of push them into the motor's action queue area. And then they're, just, they're sitting there thinking, what are we doing in here? Yeah, why not? Why not? All we need to do is play a couple of songs and a couple of videos on the big screen from Ratatouille and they'll maybe think that's the ride. Yeah, exactly. They'll forget about the GPS <laughs> trackless stuff. And then we can just kind of rush around and go into Ratatouille instead of having to wait for 70 to 120 minutes. Sounds perfect. Uh, Studio One does actually have an attraction in it. A, a fast food album? No, 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 no. Have yeah. you ever played with or seen the um, the lights in Studio One that you can um, change? They're interactive lights. I I know I know of these, but I I've never actually wanted to stay in Studio One that much to to warrant playing with the lights. Well, we did it this time in February. Was it good? Uh, nothing else was happening, so somebody I think somebody bought uh, a snack from the fast food restaurant of all places for some reason. Um, while we were standing there, we just seen this flight case. Um, it's not even facing out onto the walkway, so you kind of need to be in the fast food restaurant a bit um, to see it. And I said to my students, just play with some of those buttons and some of those slides and see what happens. And they were doing it for a few minutes and nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden, uh, if you look over the, I think it used to be Hollywood Pictures, or still is Hollywood Pictures, near the toilets on the other side, uh, on the wall, 
there's a lot of spotlights um, and they were changing colour going on and off, flashing on and off. Um, so you do actually get to control quite a lot of different lights. Um, it's actually, first, it's one of those things, it's really good. Uh, if they advertised it, it would look boring and you would never want to do it. But because it's something that isn't advertised, there's no signs and it's one of those secret... It's like a little Easter hidden, egg. little Easter egg. It's kind of interesting because you could see our my students who I was with were getting really excited and pointing and stuff and there was people looking at us. And there was people pointing at the lights over on the wall, but they obviously didn't know what it was, what was happening, or who was controlling it, because it was like some kind of underground rave that was happening in uh, Studio One at the time. Some sort of underground rave. <laughs> Sounds like Mike had a scene. There you go. That's where you're going straight after this recording, isn't it, Simon? It is. Forget Ratatouille. Studio One. <laughs> so yeah, fifty-eight percent for Studio One versus forty-two percent. It was going to be close, although. It, Really, you kind of look at it and think, Disney Studio One, why is that winning over an attraction which actually has something, like, some kind of meat on its bones? But anyway. I mean, I agree with that statement, but there we are. (laughs) Disney Arcade, or Discovery Arcade, sorry, versus Liberty Arcade. The uh, two arcades in a big matchup. It was quite close. If you were to describe your favourite, I think I already know which one it is, but let the listeners know again. Which one is your favourite and why? Oh, I have a, I have a very clear favourite, and that's it's got to be Discovery Arcade for me. I, I'm not sure I could quite tell you why. I just I always get a you know that sort of magical feel that you want when you're in one of those parks when you walk down discovery arcade i don't know whether it's the posters on the side showing this sort of retro futuristic america i don't know whether it's the few sort of models that they have scattered down i mean in terms of you know the the theming of it it's it's very very similar to liberty arcade but there's just something that i really love about discovery arcade that that liberty arcade i think i think lacks i don't know maybe liberty arcade feels a bit more real and american for my liking i don't know yeah, I, I was, um, when I was racking my brain trying to think about this, I don't think I've actually been down the Liberty Arcade very often. I don't I, know I don't know how it happens, but I always seem to go down Discovery Arcade. It's not out of choice. Maybe subconsciously I've made a choice, but I always seem to end up going the right-hand side rather than the left-hand side if I'm walking down Main Street. Well, I mean, I think the other thing is, I think Liberty Arcade's a bit, it's a bit forgettable, frankly. Although on saying that, it does have that, Right in the middle of it, uh, I think it's if you come in, into into it from Main Street in the middle, from I think it's by Dapper Dan's. Um, there's this sort of tableau kind of scene on a boat. I think it's got like Lincoln in it or something. Um, but yeah, it's just like these ghosts on a boat, and it's really creepy. And I'm sure it means something to the Americans, but it doesn't mean anything to me. And I found it really creepy. <laughs> Uh, Explorers Club on Twitter said, This was very hard for me. I really like both arcades. Uh, Liberty Arcade is way more cosy. Discovery has great artwork and models. Uh, Chris Van der Sand, our friend from our last episode, I always pick Discovery Arcade because it's the fastest way to start to us. Obviously going to be that answer. Yeah, obviously you've got the food. There seems to be more selection of food down Discovery Arcade as well. It's probably true, yeah. You can uh, you get back entrances to things. Um, just on the point that uh, I was making a second ago, uh, Salon Mickey blog uh, had 
tweeted into us uh, on this post to say that it has to be Liberty Arcade as it houses the last attraction to close in the resort, and that is the Statue of Liberty tableau. There you go. There you are. You read it somewhere. Yeah, but the, the overall winner, and I'm glad this is the winner, because if they had to shut one, which is what this vote's all about, um, I wouldn't mind losing Liberty Arcade. Discovery Arcade did win with 52% against 48, so it's very, very close. Actually, the closest... Well, no, it's not the closest. Nearly the closest uh, of our votes in round two. Buzz Lightyear is up next versus uh, Riverboat Landing. Um, I've only done the Riverboats once, Simon. How many times have you took a little tour around the Big Thunder Mountain? That's a very good question. Um... Surely you should be keeping a tally chart of all of the attractions and every visit. Yeah, well, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think how many times I've been on each boat, but actually I'm not sure both boats have been in action for many a year, so who knows? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> if you know, this is our second challenge, let us know who. how many times has Simon been on the riverboat landing. And I, I want to know specific numbers for each, for both boats. Like, <laughs> not, not cumulative. Each boat individually. Um, I've done it once. Again, I wouldn't, unless I'm looking to see what they've done to clean the uh, when they've refurbished it and to see the new um, paintwork on uh, Big Thunder Mountain. I probably will be tempted to do it again next time when it's all being reopened. But it's one of those. Once you've done it again, there's not much more. The geysers aren't working at the moment, or geysers, whatever you want to call them. They're not working currently again. So if if they fix them then possibly it'll give me another little element to go back on and see it again. But it was nice and relaxing. It was it is, enjoyable. It's, it's, a, it's a nice place to just sort of sit there and chill out and watch the world go by. If it's a nice sunny day, I think it's a fabulous attraction. Um, if it's raining or if it's a bit cold, if it's cloudy, I, I don't think it has, the, has that same feeling. But of course, you know, it does give you fantastic views of all the different sides of Thunder Mesa and... You know, it can be so photogenic if it's a nice blue sky and the like behind it. That's true. It's also depend dependent on which kind of or what kind of holiday or what kind of visit you are taking to Disneyland Paris as well. Very true. If I'm there, if I'm only in the parks for a day and a half, which is what normally happens when I'm with a school trip, then I'm not going to, like I said before about uh, motors action, I'm not going to really pick to do the Thunder Mesa Riverboat. Whereas if I'm there for a five-day, six-day break, um, you're kind of looking for things to break up the day and you don't want to be running around everywhere like a headless chicken because you want to take it easier then it's one of those, it's definitely doable and it's nice to uh, sit and stand at the outside the boat, uh, go inside the little cabin um, stand up on the top, get a different view um, so yeah, it's a nice attraction, but against Buzz Lightyear uh, it's a bit more some, fun isn't it get to yes, sit there with a gun and shoot the interactive lanes. Some would say they don't like the attraction because it um, replaced uh, an original attraction. Yes, so it replaced uh, Le Visionarium, or Timekeeper, I think, as it was known in yeah, America. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that was an attraction that was much more in keeping with Discoveryland's retro-futuristic theme, and of course, it involved Robin Williams, so it was, it was innately cool. Um... But I mean, it was it was a, effectively just a three three sixty degree cinema, uh, and you were sort of brought through time along with Jules Verne, which I I mean I I can see why they got rid of it. I don't think three sixty degree cinemas are the coolest thing in the world, and obviously, 
you know, with the with the branding of, of Toy Story, it's uh, it's probably got a bit more appeal now. But nonetheless, it's it's a shame to lose. Uh, it's a shame to lose any attraction that has a nice bit of heritage, and particularly any attraction with a nice bit of heritage that fits with Discoveryland, because there's so many things that are a bit too modern to actually fit in Discoveryland. But That's that wasn't true. one of them. If they had Toy Story Playland before they uh, built the Buzz Lightyear ride, do you feel they would have incorporated it into Walt Disney Studios uh, and left the Visionarium as it was? Or Well, quite possibly. I mean, I would imagine they were probably looking for a reason to get rid of the Visionarium anyway. Um, but, I mean, if, it, if we're talking today, then you wouldn't replace it with Buzz Lightyear's Laser Blast. You'd replace it with Toy Story Midway Mania, because that's, that's the, the sort of modern equivalent, I suppose. That's true. There's st- you still hear rumours of Midway Mania coming to uh, Walt Disney Studios. You do, they're still around. And it's not going away anytime soon. No, although I can only imagine that as each year passes, it's there's going to be less desire to bring a- an older attraction in. And who knows, maybe our new um, CEO, or Catherine, her name is, can't remember her name now, that's not very nice. Um, maybe she really loves Midway Mania and wants to bring it, or maybe she's totally against the idea. Um, so we'll we'll soon find out what her opinions are. Uh, she seems very uh, happy to be communicating with fans and websites and podcasts and stuff like that. So it'll be great once she actually is in post um, to see and hear what her views are um, and see how we're going to move forward. Absolutely, yeah. No, uh, the communication that she's had with us has been absolutely fantastic. It's been really good to see her engaging with everyone on Twitter, which is really exciting. And if she does listen to what we say, then. Uh, I mean, please just, you know, build new stuff, you know, don't don't necessarily import from other parks. We like original things. Or at least I do. Well, there definitely should be some kind of attraction which memorize. well, it's like not a memorial because we're not dead yet, but <laughs> um, celebrates the achievement and life of um, us podcasts, such as dedicated DLP and magical DLP and uh, in my Disney opinion, there should be some kind of interactive theatre uh, mm. where you can talk to our holograms yeah, um, I mean, or just you know, employ us each. You know, we'll each do an hour every day, and then we'll just live at the parks for the rest of the time. Go. There we go. Perfect. Fine. That's a good deal. Buzz Lightyear won the um, battle against Thunder Mesa Riverboat Landing, eighty percent versus twenty percent. Uh, not a surprise there. Not a surprise at all. Although the one one big surprise is my really tiny score on Buzz Lightyear, even when. Um, you stop in the middle of the attraction uh, to let somebody on or to uh, solve a little bit of an issue. Even if I'm in front of the best target there is, I still don't mind to get a really high score. Don't get me wrong, it's a decent one, um, but I never seem to get 999,000 or whatever it is people are getting and posting pictures of. Oh, by the way, I um, <laughs> I said on, a, on one of our podcast episodes a while ago that I liked it when people shared their scores on Twitter and then like a couple of people actually did go to Paris take a picture of their score and then tag me on their tweet about it like feel free to do that it's quite fun <laughs> really brightens up my day this is a test for you what was the highest score somebody tagged you with I have no idea go on it's quite enough doing your homework I'll, I'll revise it next time <laughs> you're the second you're the second uh, group of you're the what group of people you're the second person or third person now that in recent weeks uh, I've set a task and they haven't done it. I know. Um, I was on uh, DL. I was on our Google Hangout. I don't know if you caught this actually. Uh, me, Jeff, and Steve kind of mashed together to do some kind of crazy Google Hangout experiment. 
um, a few weeks ago. Uh, it was also on YouTube live streaming as well. But I set them a little task, just saying we should look into these little areas or look into Google Hangouts and see what he can do. Um, so five minutes before we went live, I said, right, so what have you learned? Have you got any tips or anything like that? Oh, no, we didn't do any homework. We just, we just make it up as we go along. Yeah, I mean, so it's, you know, just wing it. Just roll with it. You gotta roll with it. Oh, crikey. Felt like I was on Rock and Roller Coaster. Wrong band, but we'll let you off. Well, I know, but I just thought it was you singing. <laughs> KG uh, on Twitter, who is actually currently in Disneyland Paris as we speak, uh, and I Lucky did man. promise... I did promise that we would have an episode for him when he came back. Uh, he just gave us Buzz Lightyear and a thumbs up, so I think that's where his vote was going. I don't mean a Buzz Lightyear with a thumbs up. Yeah. Buzz Lightyear, Buzz definitely Lightyear with a thumbs up. up yeah. Um, Cafe Fantasia says depends on the time of year for him. Molly Brown isn't much fun if it's cold and raining. Uh, very shoe, very similar to what you've said there, Simon. Great minds think alike. Jeff from DLP Town Square, he voted for Riverboat of Landing for sure in his gangster speak uh, more for sentimental reasons though this is what I love about Disneyland Paris doesn't matter we're discussing now what we like and we kind of agree on similar kind of attractions and we have the similar ideas mainly because we love technology and we're quite, quite geeky with that kind of thing but there, everyone's got their own reasons um, Some it might have been your first ever attraction that you went on it might have been uh, the first time somebody proposed or kissed you or I don't know, you were taking a loved one or a family member and that was the last ride oh, they went on or whatever. Andrew, you've turned into such a romantic. Oh, oh that's so cute. Don't tell my wife this, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I need to keep up the um, impression that I'm not, so that when it does happen, it's even more special. Oh, very good. This man's been thinking about it. There we go. Um, but yeah, having a sentimental value or sentimental reason, it's that, that's kind of like any walk of life isn't just in Disneyland Paris, but everything everyone's got their own opinion and everything can be right in your head as long as you believe it as long as it's what you want and as long as it as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else's feelings obviously um you're entitled to that opinion so even though i totally disagree with jeff and alan and everybody else um, apart from kg and you um and all the other people have voted because buzz lightyear got eight percent of the vote but yeah everyone's entitled to their opinion but you're all wrong buzz lightyear was the winner and should be the winner there we are um, I like your French accent, by the way, Simon. Uh, so if you would like to read the next attraction, Paul, in French, please. Pardon? Exactly. Right, let me... <laughs> um, what it... What is this attraction's name oh, in well, French? I can't, it's, uh, I can't Le tell Pé you that. de Contefait, is that right? Le Pé de Contefait, yeah. Storybook. I was near enough. Canal Boats. Because you... <laughs> I was looking at the Twitter poll and it just says SBL Canal Boats. I was like, how do I say that in French? <laughs> Come on. SBL canal boats. That's because Twitter don't give you enough characters when you're setting up a poll. It's true. Um, versus the one, the only, Phantom Manor. Phantom Manor. That's where we put some evil laughter and some lightning sound effects. That, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see some, some lightning effects on uh, on this podcast. See them or hear them? See them. It would, it would really add to everything. Well, it wouldn't really... Is it, is it any good if I say that I'm turning my light on and off? It's good to enough. Give me some kind of lightning effect. It's good enough. It would certainly take me by surprise if I was sat in my room listening to this podcast and then suddenly there was flashing lights all around me. <laughs> I would not be expecting that. We'll get onto the national grid. Surely they can turn everyone's power off for a couple of seconds. That's a good idea. I'll just just bring up on the phone. I actually like Storybook Land Canal Boats. 
So do I. So do I. I, I think it's... I mean, I always think of it as like sort of small world's forgotten little brother. I think it's really cute. It's lovely. Everyone forgets about it because it's tucked away at the side, but yeah, and you need I just to go think on... it's very charming. And you need to go under the um, Casey Jr. train track, don't you, to go under it as well? I think it's the main uh, the main railway line, but... Oh, is it the mill one? Is it the main one? That's correct. Yeah, sorry, it is, yes. Because um, the... Um... The service tracks near there as well. So I've occasionally I've seen one of the trains kind of getting worked on or tested out on another little piece of track by there as well. Ooh, interesting! I didn't know that. There you go, another little tidbit there from uh, Andrew at Magical DLP. Very good, very good. <laughs> yeah, one thing I really like about the storybook Land Canal boats is the station when you actually get on the boats. When the the platform is moving around and the boats are moving with it. Even though everything's kind of static because it's all moving together, the amount of people that look like they're going to fall in or kind of are scared from their lives because the boat's moving away from them. Um, I know it's evil of me, but I don't know. It's just it's it's a very interesting uh, kind of entry to the ride. See, I think that's cruel because I'm one of those people that's like, oh, I'm going to die boarding this. Ah, this is terrifying. How do I step from a moving platform onto a non-moving platform when I'm getting off of this thing? Ah, very terrifying. Especially when it's wet. That's even funnier. (laughs) But yeah, I like the fact that it's all in daylight. Um, You can can see everything that's happening. Um, And you're not kind of... Disney and or Disneyland Paris or the Imagineers aren't directing you to look at certain things because of the lighting or the way the vehicles are pointing. So you can look around at all the little mini scenes. Um, you can take nice photo- uh, photographs because it's going nice and slow and the light's really nice. Um, yeah, it's just a nice, as long as it's sunny and it's not raining, yeah. it's a nice little ride. And of course it's, it's almost part of a bigger scene really because that sort of whole... Little enclosed area past the railway has Casey Jr. going around it. You've got sort of the big castle on the hill that it goes that Casey Jr. goes around. So I always feel that the canal boats are a part of that as well, as well as the sort of nice little model model scenery to look at. Yeah, very nice. But it didn't win because no. it was up against Phantom Manor. Yeah, it didn't stand a chance. Um, and again, we've done a Phantom Manor podcast. If you want to listen to that again, you can catch us on iTunes. 88% of the vote for Phantom Manor. It was always going to win. It was. It was. Um, because it's not a roller coaster. It's not. Uh, it is scary, especially for certain um, audiences, younger audiences, or those who have crazy active imaginations. Uh, but it's one that's not going to go too fast. It's not going to skip. There's no loop the loop. So it's accessible for everybody. Um, and it's, again, even though it, it's. Well, it, it's a good thing that it's unique to Disneyland Paris. Obviously, it's based on um, Haunted Mansion in uh, America and there's also is it Mystic Manor I think we've got in Tokyo uh, Hong Kong I think Hong Mystic Kong Manor is it Hong Kong yeah don't um, think they have an equivalent in Shanghai interestingly no that's right yes don't think that that got carried across so it's kind of our own little version and because it's all based on um, Fundamesa and all that kind of stuff it just works so well indeed having the story of Melanie Ravenwood really you know, really pulls it all together. Really uh, makes it makes it something that's, I mean, not entirely unique to Paris because most of the scenes are synonymous with uh, with haunted mansion. But it's it's got its own it's got its own story to tell. And of course, the fantastic manor on the hill. It just looks perfect. It's gorgeous. And if that wasn't there, 
especially at this time of year when the whole of Frontierland's closed down, then there would be nothing in Frontierland whatsoever, and you might as well just wipe it from the map. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I said, if you're on uh, Big Phantom Mountain looking towards Phantom Manor, it kind of adds to the story. And then if you're on Phantom Manor steps looking out towards Big Phantom Mountain, again, it all works so well together. Probably now, because obviously we're talking about Buzz Lightyear being in Discovery Land and other parts, uh, other themed areas or other lands have lots of different um, styles now. I think that um, apart from when the Frozen Summer Fun is in the Chaparral Theatre, which luckily you can't really see from uh, Big Thunder Mountain or from uh, Phantom Manor, everything just still works as it did the first day of opening. There's nothing new sticking out like a big shiny Buzz Lightyear in front of your land. Mm-hmm. I think that's very true. It's you know it's a land that's really still got its character, and it kind of links in. It links in with uh, the Hotel Cheyenne as well. So I always have memories. I, I always loved cowboys. Uh, I always loved the old west and the western feel, and it all kind of came from Disneyland Paris as well. Staying in the Cheyenne and walking around Frontierland and being on the attractions in Frontierlands. So I'm glad that Phantom Manor uh, went through to Grand Prix. Good stuff. Here's another French one for you. Are you on the website? Sure, why not? <laughs> Go on. Le Tenier du Dragon. Oh, dragon. Versus flying carpets over Agrabah. I mean, uh, I, uh, personally, I think this is this is an easy decision. I'm glad it went the way it did. Yeah, we discussed uh, flying carpets over Agrabah very, very briefly when we were talking about Dumbo. It's very similar, isn't it? It's just an up and down, roundy, roundy, kind of an off-the-shelf theme park attraction, really, isn't it? You'd expect to see this kind of attraction in a Flamingo Land or Four Park or even just your local uh, funfair that are visiting your town. Can I just say, you're the first person I've ever heard mention Flamingo Land. There we go. Brilliant. I didn't think anyone else had ever been there. Fantastic. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know if I've been there before. I think I've just went past the sign. <laughs> it's good. If I remember correctly, it's a really it's like half zoo, half theme park. That's uh, correct. And yeah. they've got some like really strangely quite decent roller coasters there. Like they've got they've got what's effectively an equivalent of the Tron ride at um, really at Shanghai, but with motorbikes instead. Yeah, so like you sit on the motorbikes and you get launched out. It's quite good. Well, there we go. That's our top tip. If you can't get to Shanghai and you want to go on the Tron ride, go to Flamingo Land. Yeah, go north. Yeah. <laughs> That should just be the... Uh, we should just put that as a hashtag. Go North. Go North. Hashtag Go North. I mean, as as Simon West, personally, I don't like that, but fine, <laughs> fine. Um, also, near Skegness, there's a place called Fantasy Island. That's a theme park that not many people have ever been to or know about. And that's got some pretty decent roller courses as well. Mm. If you've ever been to Butlins in Skegness... Or you're thinking of staying and having a staycation? I would recommend that. And but that was that's a kind of theme park or a kind of a, uh, amusement place that would have um, uh, flying carpets over Agrabah type attraction. While we're while we're talking about obscure theme parks, I think I'm pretty sure Wales only has one theme park it's in Pembrokeshire. It's called Oakwood. Um, again, tiny little theme park, not that great, but has the most fantastic wooden roller coaster in it. It's genuinely brilliant. So, you want a wooden roller coaster in this country, you go there. So what we need to do is win a few billions of pounds on some kind of lottery, mm -hmm. buy up all these attractions from all these obscure places and slap bang in the middle of the UK, we need to build 
the ultimate theme park. Yeah, I mean, I think Paramount are trying to do that, but but we, uh, everyone, could, we could do it better. Everyone thinks that the Paramount Park is Disneyland in London. Well, that's because the media keep reporting it as Disneyland London, which just... If you were Paramount, you'd be so annoyed at that. But also, people are now talking about it, which they probably won't have been if it was just Paramount Park. It's probably true. <laughs> yeah, 88% for Phantom Manor. We've already said that. We're on the 10 year the Dragon. Um, 77%. It is an animatronic dragon. It is the only castle um, that has the interactive... Uh, well, the, not, it's not really interactive, but the animatronic dragon underneath the castle. Um, it is a nice feature. Um, it's still, pardon me, it's still pretty much hidden as well from a lot of guests. It is. You know, you sort of have to know it's there. It's one of those things that you can just sort of think, oh, I'll go down here and then, oh, the crikey, there's a, there's a big dragon there. And I do believe when... Uh... When the park opened in '92, do you believe it was the largest animatronic ever made? Uh, why isn't there a sign up that says that? I don't know. They could they could just put one on the back wall, well, probably because it's really dark in there actually, and you wouldn't be That's able true. to read it. But then again, you know, if you had to have the dragon just breathe a bit of fire every now and again, spread some light around, and you'd be able to go ah, right there we are. That's one thing it's missing. If fire. It had, if it had fire coming out of its mouth, then when it's raining, you just go underneath the castle. A quick blast of the breath from the dragon, and you'll be dry and ready to go on. Speaking of getting wet, you don't get wet on this attraction, but it's based on water. Uh, Crush's Coaster versus Indiana Jones and the Temple of Peril. Ah, see, now this is a this is a really interesting one because they're sort of they're both sort of small roller coasters. I say small roller coasters in the sense that they're not kind of big e-ticket attraction type roller coasters. Um, they both sort of get strangely large cues for how good I think they are, and they're both sort of, you know, overshadowed by by the bigger roller coasters like like you know, Space Mountain, Thunder Mountain. But they're both really good fun. So how do you choose between them? I can choose between them because I still haven't rode Crush's coaster. Ah, oh, even, boring. Even though it was on my list of things to do this time round. I'm disappointed in you, Angie. You've let me down now. <laughs> it all comes down to what I was saying before. If I am there for a day and a half and I want to do everything, Crush's Coaster doesn't stand out to me as something I need to waste like two hours of my life for waiting for in the ride or queue system. Uh, I don't know. You can you could get away with 40 minutes in the in the Crush's Coaster queue. Mind you, that's about the best it's ever going to be. Single but, rider though now, right? That is true. Um, so if I was to pick and if somebody said, right, you've got one row, you can only go on one, one attraction. You might, if you go to Crush's Coaster, you might be late for your meal, or you'll miss the um, conference, which is the reason why you're there. Or you can quickly go on Indiana Jones, Temple of Peril. I think I would probably choose Indiana Jones. It's true. It's, it's got a loop. I do like Indiana Jones, the theming. The, the queue area is actually pretty good. It is very good, actually, yeah. So that would get my vote. Um, this is probably the first time that the one I would vote for didn't actually win. No. Crush's Coaster got 64% of the vote compared to 36% for Indiana Jones. Now, I I don't... I mean, personally, I don't think the theming on Crush's Coaster when you're sort of properly into the into the roller coaster is particularly good, but the... I mean, the, certainly the queuing system's not very well themed, but the, there's a fantastic bit that you won't know about that's sort of nice and slow before you before you get into the roller coaster itself, and that's gorgeously themed and has a, has a fantastic atmosphere to it, so... I, I think it, for, for me, it wins for that. But also the attraction itself is, you know, it's sort of 
it's fun, you know, it spins, it goes around, it's not too intense, whereas I have to say, I like I like my roller coasters big, but uh, Temple of Peril is it's remarkably fast for uh, for the size of the roller coaster that it is. And it was even better when it went backwards. <laughs> I you had, never, you had, never had the opportunity to ride it then, unfortunately, but... You had no idea what was coming up next. Crazy. <laughs> you only seen it once it had been and gone. Le Caban de Robestan versus Oof, very good French. Studio Tram Tour Behind the Magic. Behind the Magic. Well, there's not much behind the magic, is there really? Oh, there's not much magic, to be honest. <laughs> I feel bad. I'm sorry, Studio Tram Tour. I'm sorry. Yeah, I remember... Well, uh, trying to trying to remember a long time ago when I first went to Walt Disney Studios, um, seeing videos from the American parks and the American tram tours, um, and obviously you, you have Catastrophe Canyon kind of imprinted on your mind when you're going onto it. And when you go on the first, on my first ever ride of Studio Tram Tour, I kind of forgot about the rubbish um, props that I was looking at, and forgot that there was the video of my um, car carriage or tram was um, was broken. So I just occasionally seen the flicker of a guy or a like, tour guide pop like popping up every now and then and going off again. But getting to the Catastrophe Canyon, it was. The real spectacle and the effects and the water and the fire and the movement of the oil tanker so impressive and you kind of think yeah that's good you'll do it again but as you do the attraction more and more you soon realize that wait a minute there's actually nothing much other than this really nice big catastrophe canyon bit and it just kind of is a waste of space really well is that harsh yeah. is that harsh uh, I, probably not because in terms of that particular park, if you're going to expand anywhere, you need to sort of expand where that attraction currently is. It's just, I mean, it limits it, limits the growth of that whole theme park by having such a long road going across it, you know, connecting what's currently Catastrophe Canyon and uh, and the London Sea on the other side. You know, one of those needs to be moved completely out of the way, so does the station, really, so that we can expand the park out. But I mean, it is it is staying uh, for for another long foreseeable future, really, because that has been uh, included in the refurbish major refurbishment schedule up till summer next year. So, I mean, we'll have to. We don't know what's coming yet. Rumors have said Star Wars, Marvel, and maybe Cars as well for Catastrophe Canyon, but we're not really sure. These are only very vague rumors. So yeah, that would. Them vague, if them vague rumours were to come true, that would be just enough to get me to go on the attraction again. Yeah, no, I would agree. I think, I mean, I think it needs to be changed. But frankly, I think it needs a, I think it needs a fundamental rethink of what it is as an attraction because the whole studio thing, nah, it's not really cutting the mustard. No, because if you, but then you can't, re, you, you, you're going to keep the name Studio Tram Tour, really, aren't you? Or because it's, they're not going to rebrand the whole thing to something else. Well, so it's kind. Of, never it's know. Like then say, you could pretend it's a completely new ride, like they do. seem to do with Space Mountain <laughs> Mission Two. There you go. Studio Tram Two and Mission Two. Mission Two. There we go. That'll do. Do the tear a la Catastrophe Canyon. <laughs> um, Le Caban de Robinson. Um, I was again. I wanted to do this one this time, and it was closed for refurbishment. Yeah. Because um, I'd heard so much about the um, the actual tree and what it was like at the top and the view you possibly can get when it's a nice sunny day. Great. So I really wanted to, to do it. Top. I haven't done it yet. Um, 
this was a close vote and I'm surprised at the way it went um, but not having done the Cabander Robinson I can't really argue its case is there anything that stands out as to why you feel that one maybe should have won um, no not really I think the reason though why it was so close we've, we've mentioned you know people have some problems with Studio Tram Tour uh, being a bit old now you know needing to be updated well actually the Robinson family treehouse needs that as well a lot of the water features and stuff haven't worked you know sort of props are missing because they've fallen off or something it needs a good tidy a good tidy up it needs a good refresh um, so I think the reason why that vote actually is so close and why perhaps neither of them really deserves to win or lose is that they're both attractions that, that need a bit of TLC quite a lot of TLC they do and they seem to be both getting it as well so uh, fabulous quite good it's what we like to hear maybe by the time we've done round three we might be able to uh, talk about studio tram tours um, improvements and refurbishment because studio tram tour went through to win 51% versus 49% it's very a- very close that is the closest of round three actually isn't it I'm just double checking my own facts now. I mean, it sounds right to me, but it is because it was forty-two percent for Motors Action um, and Disney Studios, fifty-eight percent. That's a massive difference. What am I talking about? This is where I cut this bit out. Discovery Arcade and Art Liberty Arcade was the closest one. That was it. <laughs> That's why I'm not a maths teacher. Can you tell? Ugh, maths. It's a boring subject anyway. Princess Pavilion versus Cinemagic. There's completely no similarity between either of these. No, I, I mean, how do you compare the two? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, for me, I think there's there's an obvious winner, but that's because I don't go around trying to get pictures with princesses. There's a lot of people that would have said the same thing, Simon, but they're now um, avid princess hunters. They are. They ha- I've seen a lot of people be converted recently. So maybe that's what uh, our challenge to you should be for the next visit to the park for yourself. To get converted. <laughs> to get converted, yes. That's what we're just going to leave it there. Just yep. to get converted. Yep. <laughs> Who knows into what? It could be anything. Which princess would you like to see if you were to go to the Princess Pavilion? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm quite old-fashioned. Probably Belle. It's funny because I'm going to say the exact same answer to that question. Really? Yep. Great minds. Great minds. Uh, mainly because um, this is probably me being all soppy again. My wife, uh, her favourite film is Beauty and the Beast. So as many uh, all the times I've been to Disneyland Paris, every time I go because I'm going with work and she's not with me, she'll well she doesn't expect a present, but I like to give her a present every single year, and it always seems to be something Belle related. And I spend most of my time, even though I said I didn't want to waste any time because I'm only there for a day and a half, I, I seem to spend a lot of time searching the shops for little bell figures or t-shirts or anything to do with bell so i think bell would be a answer for that reason and that reason alone you really are such a romantic this evening <laughs> this is a new side of you it's because it's tuesday we used to do it on a saturday and we I are used to doing it on a saturday i'll see what are you like you know weekday romantic that's what it is yeah. too tired at the weekends for any of that <laughs> <laughs> cinemagic now, this is where I, I think I've already mentioned this before previously, but I've never actually been in Princess Pavilion or Cinemagic, so kill me now. Have you not done Cinemagic? No. Nope. Because I've never been in Princess Pavilion. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Cinemagic is, uh, I think, one of the sort of staple bits of the Walt Disney Studios Park. Probably needs to go now, because it's been around since it opened, and it's the same video playing, but 
I might have been updated once or something, but I mean it's fun. You know, there's you know there's a live actor and he enters the screen, and that's quite cool. It's a bit <laughs> different. Spoilers. So if I was to vote, uh, I would have voted, even though I've never done it before, I've never done either, uh, Cinemagic would have got my vote mainly because, like I say, it's one of those, in Walt Disney Studios, it's an attraction that the community all seem to do, and it's one that still gets to queues now, which is probably the reason why it's still open. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, if, you know, when I, whenever I'm there, you know, I, w- I would have to do Cinemagic and Animagic. Obviously, Animagic's gone now, but you see the point. I do. 59%, so Cinemagic is the winner there against 41% for Princess Pavilion. Indeed. Um, probably the right the, the right way. It's probably the right result. I um, think so. I didn't expect Cinemagic to win like 89% hands down because um, I know our princesses are very popular and a lot of our listeners and a lot of our fans, I, I like to say the word fans, a lot of our fans are big um, character hunters and obviously the princesses are a really big part of the character hunting game if yeah. it's a game <laughs> Adventure Isle the building site it is at the moment versus the um, recently closed down Animagic what a lineup this is yeah I know <laughs> this also shows you, what you it's like you hashtagged it when uh, you put the poll out yeah. hashtag closed versus open but now it's sort <laughs> of temporarily closed versus permanently closed and it's so funny how uh, when we started this in uh, September or whatever it was in 2015, this whole attraction poll idea, um, Animagic, though I don't think it was actually due to close officially anywhere, at least. No, yeah, well, I mean, so they, the rumours saying that Animagic would close, they they were going for, I mean, a good two years before they finally actually announced, OK, it is going. Because I think by the, by the time when they actually announced it, we were all sort of, I think we had a bit of shock because I think we'd all got used to going, oh, no, it's not actually going to close. Oh, it's not actually going to close, you know, sort of boy who cried wolf. And then actually closed and we went, oh, oh, Animagic's gone. Oh, no. <laughs> and um, yeah I also tweeted saying hopefully the one that is closed will be kicked out Twitter fair competition I don't know if that swayed the votes by any way um, well it worked if it, it did. did work because Adventure Isle went with 56% versus Animagic 44% I'm quite surprised at that if we forget about Animagic being closed now and no longer being an attraction um, I'm surprised that it actually did lose I'm surprised it wasn't closer if anything because what is Adventure Isle other than some caves, um, a bridge? Uh, I, d- I don't know. I, I think Adventure Isle is quite fun, actually. I think a it lot is. of I'm people not, a lot I'm of people miss it. out on it. But, you know, I think, frankly, I think Adventure Isle represents what's great about mainly the Disneyland Park rather than Walton Studios Park. But what's great about Disney theme parks, the way that they build their theme parks, that, you know, it's not just individual attractions that are great about it it's that the whole place is gorgeously themed gorgeously designed you know the theme park itself has a story and is an attraction and that you know you can single out adventure isle but you know how can you pull adventure isle away from pirates of the caribbean and the robinson treehouse next to it and the the pirates galleon across from it you know it all seamlessly flows together it is the park and it's it's so great to have that rather than just singular attractions popped around <clears throat> like in Walt Disney Studios Park. <laughs> yeah, and, and seeing scaffolding up on the uh, School Rock at Adventure Island, it, is, it takes away from, like you were saying, about the feel of the area and the fact that the Disney Imagineers have put in so much effort. So when you're walking between 
attraction or shops and different lands. It just adds so much to it, and it's not like any other theme park in the world. And nobody else can do it as good as Disney on their day when they're doing it, and it's at, at the top-notch quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, now you've swung me around. I probably would have voted for Animagic, but you've kind of changed my opinion now, and Adventure Isle would have got it. Well, and of course, Adventure Isle did win 56 to 44. It's now the last matchup in round two of the magical Disneyland Paris podcast. Well, it's the podcast poll, but the attraction poll. Hashtag DLP poll is what we're using to track this. Um, Sleeping Beauty Castle, which some may say, is that an attraction? And we've kind of argued this a few times, and I believe it definitely is. And it's against Panoramagic. Which is Disneyland, well, it's Disney Village's attraction, the only one that it's officially got, which is operated by an external company, so it's kind of snuck in there as well. Do you, well, I think, we've, I think we have discussed this before, and I think I know the answer, but Sleeping Beauty Castle, does it deserve to be in there as an attraction in this poll? Well, I mean, no, but it's so great, yes. If that makes any sense <laughs> to you whatsoever. But then. We've also we've just been talking about Adventure Isle. That is that oh, an attraction. Oh yeah, that's true. Then? Yeah, it's even less of an attraction. And okay. Then we've also got Studio I mean, One. Maybe maybe it should be just Disneyland Park as an attraction, sort of excluding attractions, and we'll call that an attraction. So like Main Street Station, but with no trains, <laughs> that sort of thing. But it but it is if you're talking about weenies as you were before, it is the biggest weenie of them all. It is. Oh, I mean, Disneyland Hotel will be really offended by that, but <laughs> it's true. But people, when you see, when you watch people's vlogs, uh, I know that uh, that Disney lover, she, um, when she's posting her vlogs, you always, you know, it's the it's, it's the day one video because she films her face, and she walks down Main Street. She does it the same way every single time, and then when Laura gets onto Main Street, sees the uh, Sleeping Beauty Castle. She's filming her face, and you can see the emotion every time. She's so happy to be there, and that is an attraction. Yeah, and I think that sums up, A, why Disney parks are great, but also, B, why it had to beat Panorama Chic. Although, you do get a really good view of nearly every single piece of the, the like resort from up there. Have you been up there before? I have not, because it costs extra money, and I'm a cheapskate. But if you've gone with your family, surely you wouldn't have to pay anywhere. Yeah, get get the rents to splash out. <laughs> and if you go again with them, you can just... Well, I'm a student, you know. Oh, got sort me out. money. Come on, help out. Obviously, I went up there for um, magical Disneyland Paris um, research purposes. Of course, dra- yeah. Dragged my wife up, who was scared of heights, and dragged my... Uh, well, he was like one and a half year old up at the time. And I remember looking down with Noah... And all he, he wasn't he didn't care about the view, he didn't care about Disney Village, he didn't care about the castle in the distance and um, Tower of Terror, that space mountain. All he cared about was shouting down at his pram. He just kept shouting, There's my pram! Really? My pram! Oh. All, he just kept looking down at his pram. <laughs> oh, that's, kids are so cute. <laughs> he didn't even care about anything else. I mean, can't you see Paris from the distance up there? Is it like the Eiffel Tower? Um, if well, if you can see, because you can walk around the, um, it's, it is a basket, but it's like a, it's a really weird basket because it's like a, a donut shape. Uh, you can walk around, and, but obviously, because of where Panamaragic is placed, everybody is kind of on the side facing the park and the village and stuff like that. But if you go the other way, which I didn't do, 
I can imagine you will get a view um, and a clear day, especially if you can see it from Robinson Family Treehouse. You must be able to see it from up there. Mm. I haven't, but I'm, I'm guessing you probably will be able to. It is really good, and if you actually look, I think I posted it on Twitter a while ago now, but if I'll try and look back and retweet it again maybe. But if you look at the company um, who actually uh, maintain it and run Panoramagic, the, the technology behind it is really, really interesting. The amount of fail-safes they've got in there in case a tether breaks or in case uh, the helium goes out of it, the gas, that kind of thing. It's so clever. Uh, so take a little look. A little bit of technology for you there. It's really good. Um, no surprise, though, because you have to pay for it, and because a lot of people are scared of heights, and because it's in Disney Village, and because it's right at the end of it. So unless you're kind of a guest staying in the, uh, the Cheyenne or the Santa Fe or the New York if you go around the back way, then you're not really going to... Well, you will see it, but most people aren't really going to go on it. And more often than not, if I mention to somebody, have you been on the attraction, they'll just say no. And they probably won't ever go on it either. Uh, so no surprise that Sleeping Beauty Castle has stormed away with 96% versus 4%. Mm-hmm. And I think quite rightly so. Definitely. It is the biggest uh, win of round two. I just want to double check as well. See what the round, see what round one was like. Da 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 da. Ninety seven, ninety five, eighty eight. No, so I think so far that is the biggest defeat, and that goes to Panamaraji getting absolutely blasted out of the water by Sleeping Beauty Castle. Well, crikey! I mean, I get the feeling we might be ending up with a with a situation where. Something like Sleeping Beauty Castle or Disney Dream, something that's not sort of an attraction in the tight sense of the <laughs> definition, could probably yeah. win this whole thing. I'm still annoyed at Sleeping Beauty Castle for knocking out Space Mountain in the last round, but I'll let that go at some point, I promise. <laughs> just keep coming back to that one, don't you? I just, oh, it's dreadful. Have you, got a, have you got a picture of Sleeping Beauty Castle on your bedroom wall with, a, with some darts? Sorry, some darts out of here. But again, this is kind of, we're letting the Disneyland Paris fans and the community speak, aren't they? So if that's what they voted, that's kind of the way it's going to go. Yeah, definitely. Because a lot of, again, some people, and I know and I've spoken to people who do this, some people go and don't actually do a physical attraction. They'll go, they'll soak up the atmosphere, they'll watch some of the shows, they'll stay for Disney Dreams, they'll go and meet some characters, that kind of thing. They won't step foot on a ride or a roller coaster as such. Um, and it's still an amazing place for them, and that's what they want from that attraction. I'm oh, sorry, from the uh, the theme park or the the resort. So again, like we say, even though we're both being biased because we love roller coasters, we love technology, we love all that kind of stuff. If Sleeping Beauty uh, Sleeping Beauty's Castle wins, then uh, that's what people want, and it's yep. it is the main one of the main draws. People go there and they recognise the park because of because that of that. Yeah, definitely. And that brings us to the end of going through each attraction matchup. So that's round two. Just to give you a little bit of a teaser, if I just go to my lovely spreadsheet that I've been using. I will share all this when we finish, by the way. I'm not going to read all of them out because I don't want to spoil them when it comes up. But um, one of the matchups is Big Thunder Mountain and the Tower of Terror. Oh, that's a good one. Oof. That is a very good one. That's the only teaser I will give you and the rest of them. The, uh, as soon as we release this podcast, we will then start with the round three of the poll, and then we're not far off from the uh, quarterfinals and the semifinals. Oh, very exciting. It is. I was going to discuss some other stuff. I'll quickly mention what we mentioned before briefly, our YouTube uh, live video chat 
me, Jeff and Steve. Hashtag DLP chat if you want to follow that on Twitter. Just a hashtag at the moment. Uh, we're looking at doing it once a month, possibly. We're going to try and change it up, see how it goes. It's just a little bit different from uh, listening to people on a podcast like us. Some, I think last time we done it, it was a Thursday evening, and it seemed to be quite good for most people. So if you follow us on Twitter, we'll uh, tweet that out at some time, and we'll get a date in the diary. Also, like I said, just then we can follow the polls for the round three of our magical DLP attraction poll. You can follow that by following the hashtag, hashtag DLP poll. I know Cafe Fantasia uses that hashtag as well um, when he has some of his interesting polls. So check that hashtag out if you're on Twitter. Um, Our website, magicaldlp.co.uk, will have all of our rumour articles, it'll have our podcasts. I'm I'm in the middle of rehashing or refurbing the website. So as Disneyland Paris is going through a refurbishment process, so is the Magical Disneyland Paris podcast website. And you'll see that shortly. Uh, I was going to talk about a little uh, trip report from when I was there in February, but we've went on for quite a long time, so I'm going to leave that. Probably never talk about it again ever, or I'll mention it every now and then. <laughs> um, we haven't decided what we're going to do for our next podcast episode. If you've got any ideas, if there's anything you're itching that you want us to talk about, then you can uh, let us know via our website, via email, podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter or on Facebook. So, Simon, have you got anything else you want to say before we leave? Um, I'm still mourning the loss of Space Mountain from this <laughs> attraction poll, but never mind. We'll we'll have a fantastic winner in the end, and I can't wait to see what that is. Uh, yeah, we should have put some money on this. We should have went to the bookies and said, this is the betting that we should be focusing on. Forget about the Premier League. I mean, this, is, the... this is bigger than Eurovision as well. Come on. Oh, uh, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. We haven't had one to read out this time, so... It's probably our fault for not getting a podcast out for a few weeks. Or it's a very few true. Weeks. Um, but if you like what you, we are doing, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Get in touch. Podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk. Don't forget, let us know what you want us to talk about. Is there an attraction we haven't covered yet that you want us to look at and investigate and do some research on? Do you want us to have a week or an episode without Simon and get a guest in to talk about Ratatouille? That can the option, happen. The option's always there. It is indeed. Um, if you don't let us know, then we'll just pick what we like. I'm very tempted to do one about Hotel Cheyenne, but you haven't stayed there, have you? I've not, no. I think between us, we've covered most hotels. Well, I've only stayed in two. Santa Fe and the Hotel Cheyenne. I, I can't remember staying in some other ones. <laughs> it's okay. We'll, we just do the ones we're interested in. So yeah. yeah, let us know. I've said it about ten times now, but I'll say it again. Podcast at magicaldlp.co.uk and we'll catch you again for another episode. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.